Welcome to The Stack, a weekly podcast where we discuss the latest in the world of marketing, sales, and tech. I'm Sean Henry, and I'm here with... Tim Staberski. Ryan Sylvester. And a fun guest this week. Caitlin Loquez. Our wonderful intern. Thanks for joining us today. Um, today is April 18th, 2019. Did I get it right? <laughs> that was a challenge. Yeah, we never we never trust Ryan anymore with names. No. Today is... I didn't even look at that April March the 42nd. 2019, and we're coming to you from Pepperland Marketing, as always, in Cheshire, Connecticut, and this is episode number 50. Which Bye-bye. is nuts. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just crazy. Well, this is probably like our, th- I don't know, 20th episode of the audio format. Yeah, yeah. We used to, we, we've tested a few different variations of this. Initially, this was a Facebook Live show, and we ran into so many hiccups with that, we said, the hell with this, and give up on it. And for a while, yeah, about a year. And then we brought it back in audio and we've kind of experimented with bringing back some live <laughs> video, which works a lot better now, but it's still just a huge pain in the neck. So for the time being, we're sticking to audio only, but we might bring back video. One yeah, day. The, the big issue with the Facebook live format was always, um, we were doing a lot of like, um, like demo live demos and, and, and it would just yeah. never work. Well, yeah. Like the internet would, uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you can't see me because we don't have video, but I, I can't decide if I want to sit or stand. And so I have to keep adjusting my microphone. Um, yeah. Should you ever choose to do a Facebook live show and do like screen shares and demos and all that, just be prepared for buffering and audio issues. Yeah. And if you do figure it out, can you let us know? Well, we figured it out. We well, totally got the formula down. It's yeah. just, it's, it's tough. It's though. prone to errors it, it should, that yeah, are completely yeah. out of your control. So I think as just the whole thing becomes more stable, then it's worth the frustration. But for now, audio only. Anywho, if this is the first time you ever listen to the show, basically what we do each week is we boil down the most interesting content news developments in the marketing world and make it real simple so you don't have to bother reading any of it. All you got to do is listen to us. Yeah, no 400 pages for you to comb through. But we do want you to actually read their content. So check out the show notes and you could click the links and... Read away. But uh, how's your week going, guys? It's good. I feel like I always say that I can't believe it's Thursday, but I can't believe it's Thursday. Yeah. I actually, okay, I don't I don't feel like I always say I can't believe it's Thursday. Like, I feel much better this week than last week. <laughs> I'll be good. honest. Even even despite the like the flu slash allergies. Oh, yeah. I'm a little, sorry if I sound a little sick. I'm a little sick. Yep. But it's, <laughs> it's the flu. No, it's not the flu. I have a cold. Sean thinks it's the allergies. Are you getting any sympathy from Lindsay? None. <laughs> Rightfully so. So the first <laughs> the first article of the week comes from the Google Webmasters blog. It's called Instant Loading AMP Pages Coming from Your Own Domain. And you guys know what AMP is, right? Yeah. So Caitlin doesn't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so AMP is uh, basically a way for your website to load instantly on mobile devices. It solves that problem of like weak connections and slow speeds and um, let your content load lightning fast, which is a great solution for publishers. That's kind of who they had in mind initially when they rolled it out, um, who just crank out a lot of content. They want to get it out there. Um, and it's it's worked and it has some SEO benefit uh, because it allows you to get your content to load really fast. It's a ranking factor, but most importantly, it's good for your users, which is a good thing, but it has some cons as well. I think yeah. one of the things that I've really hated about it is that you couldn't load up your content on your own domain. 
you'd basically be serving it through Google's servers at some weird, you, yeah. you know, weird address. Um, which met, which messes with your measurement a bit and there's a number of other issues with that. So, well, I mean, I know personally the first couple of times that I like encountered an amp link when I didn't, before I knew what it was, I very, like I panicked and hit backspace. It looks like you're loading like, a, I don't know. Yeah. A malicious site is possibly. Yeah. yeah. So you don't know what definitely it is. Definitely not perfect. Well, well-intentioned, but not perfect. Um, but with this update, they've kind of rolled back one of those big barriers and this piggybacks off a development that we touched on a few weeks ago. So I'll just read it. Say we're rolling out support in Google searches, AMP web results, also known as blue links. I don't know anybody refers to it as blue links. <laughs> um, anyway, to link to signed exchanges, an emerging new feature of the web enabled by IEF, IETF web packaging specification. Getting real geeky here. Signed exchanges enable displaying the publisher's domain when content is instantly loaded via Google search. This is available in browsers that support the necessary web platform feature as of the time of writing Google Chrome and availability will expand to other browsers as they gain support. In other words, Google leads the way with their changes and everybody follows, right? Yeah, more or less. But yeah, cool new feature. Uh, the article gets into in a little bit more detail, giving some backgrounds. Uh, they talk about signed exchanges in a little bit more depth, link out to a lot of really great resources. So if this is something you're interested in, um, maybe you've been holding off on AMP because of this issue, um, good time to to give another look. Or if you are have been using AMP in the past, this might be a nice upgrade to your experience. So check it out. What do you guys think? It's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, I, I like how it's going to be, like it can be served up on any server now. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, loading from the same one. Which, well, and this is going to make reporting so much simpler. Yeah, true, true. But so, I, and I don't know the answer to this question, but so before, when it was on Google server, was like a dynamic content, was that taken away because it was on theirs? Um, because it, they users weren't cookied? Yeah, that was a great point. So a lot of, of the more advanced features of the web, the things that you do on your website, uh, you kind of had to give up on. Yeah. styling too like you're losing some styling yeah, things, so. yeah. Okay. and slowly they've been adding more flexibility to bring some of that stuff in but it's, so, it's sort of like um, like when they rolled out AMP it was like minimum viable product yeah and now they're making well, it less minimum <laughs> well it's like it's kind of like if you go way back to the good old days of Google Reader anybody anybody I honestly don't know what no? that is <laughs> we have no here idea wait let's, let's turn this over to the uh, Gen Zer. <laughs> I we have are. no idea what that means. <laughs> so in the early days of the web, we read content through RSS feeds ah, and yeah. used tools like uh, Google Reader to read the blogs that we subscribe to. And that's that kind of all went away when social media became very popular. Lame. It was the best. The web was a much better place back then. <laughs> you always were up to date with the latest and greatest. And now the web is full of garbage. <laughs> Sean feels strongly. <laughs> so yeah, if you remember that uh, whole RSS feed style thing, same kind of thing. It's like stripped down content, but you're still getting the content, which is great. Next article comes from Yoast. Yoast. It's actually a um, product update. This is so Yoast is I don't know if it's the biggest SEO plugin used on WordPress sites, but it's pretty damn close. If it's not, um, it's got to be used across millions of websites. This is a really dumb question. And it's not really related, but the author of this article, you know, 
I always pronounce his name Juiced Devalk. <laughs> is that Yoast? Like, is it supposed to be pronounced Yoast like the company? I assume there's some, I don't know. I never looked into that. <laughs> Sorry, not related. I just noticed it. Yeah. If you, if you feel strongly about this, drop us a comment. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, so he's the one who wrote the article. And uh, the headline is, Skina.org is hard. We're making it easy. But yeah, as I was saying, <laughs> SEO plugin, which is really great. It, it yeah. gives you access to do a lot of the, the standard stuff you should do to optimize a WordPress site makes it painfully easy. Uh, a lot of our clients have it installed on their site. It's a plugin that we generally recommend. Just makes things simpler, right? Um, doesn't do it all for you, but it makes it easier to implement things. And uh, schema.org is markup that allows it, allows your, your content to show up in a more interesting way in search results. Um, think of those like uh, menu cards where you see like the recipes there in the search results or product ratings or a bunch of event listings. A lot of that type of content in search results is driven by schema markup. Schema markup is very hard to implement. People mess it up all the time. There's tons of options. They're always adding new options. So they're setting it out to make that a little bit easier. So they say getting a schema.org implementation right on a website was until today enormously painful. There was not enough documentation and no good tools to help you make it truly simple. I don't know if I agree with that, but whatever. <laughs> um, the best implementations so far really are, sadly, still just a fragmented mess. I kind of agree with that. So people implement schema in bits and pieces. Like they'll tackle one part of it, but not the full thing. So agree with that part, but there's a lot of documentation out there about it. Um, so the, the, the gist of this update is they, because their plugin is across your entire website, they will be able to implement schema in an automated way uh, that kind of makes sense where it's connecting different entities, objects in a it's logical like, way. Yeah. It's like a nesting kind of structure. Right. Right. Whereas the typical, you know, business that is going to think about implementing schema, they might take one little piece of this and implement it here and there, which is fine, but this is a, definitely a cleaner way to do it. Um, Tim just cracked his neck and you probably can't hear it on the audio. I'm sorry. My ne like, you ever just have that tension? You had like snaps. I joints? can honestly no. say that I don't No, oh. or never have. Well, no. Next week, I'll be starting my own podcast <laughs> called neck crackers weekly. Back to yours. I think this is cool. <laughs> I, I had, um, we had a question roll through our support one time about yep. schema and I felt helpless because <laughs> even though I know what it is, I know that it's incredibly hard. So, even though I still want to learn how to implement it the original way, but I think Yoast is going to make it easier. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, the I think a part of the challenge with it is implementation. So you might go through this big effort to get all this right, and then a few months, year passes, somebody wants to make like a refresh to the design of your content, and suddenly everything you've implemented a year ago is suddenly broken. Right. You know? So I, I guess... Maybe if you're going the plugin route and relying on this, maybe that'll be a little bit cleaner and less likely to break. Time will tell. Yeah. So I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I, I didn't, I read this article pretty quickly. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. This is just a way of organizing schema. It's not an actually a solution to implementing it. Correct. I don't know. Um, I assume that this does, yeah, I believe this does actually implement schema okay. Okay. 
a portion of it, like a starting point. On oh, your like site. like the site wide kind of stuff. Yeah. So like a, one of the very first things you do when you're installing Yoast is you say, "Am I a business or am I a person?" And that puts some of that schema directly on the page, and then gotcha. it's asking you for uh, your official social channels, and that way you're kind of grouping all that information together. Um, to Google. So like when they search for your brand, they might see all those social icons displayed Makes sense. in the search results. So yeah, this is actually implementing some of it. Um, but then it's also, they're trying to establish a framework that you could build upon. So your yeah. one-off use cases, if you do it in a way that follows their specifications, it's all going to play well together. Makes sense. And I think they're hoping to use their influence and reach to encourage other developers, other plugins, tools to build off their own framework. So cool thing for sure. But, you know, it, this was launched this week. It's in the early days, so we'll have to see how it plays out. Cool. Even if you don't go this route, uh, think about schema. It, it can really make a big difference in how your website's performing in search results. Uh, hire somebody who knows what they're doing if you need help. Um, and the payoff will be big. So, Next article coming from Backlinko, Brian Dean. I feel like Caitlin's going to have some thoughts about this one. Caitlin, read the headline. What's the headline? Okay. The headline is we. The headline is. (laughs) The headline is we analyzed 12 million outreach emails. Here's what we learned. And you read this article, right? Yes, of course I did. Any uh, any takeaways? We're putting her on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is cool. He he link he uh, partnered up with uh, who did he partner up with? Uh, Pitchbox. Yeah. Yeah, So Pitchbox is great, like link building outreach software. So it made sense that they would he would link uh pair up with them to do this research. I imagine they provide a lot of the data. And uh, he says, we analyzed 12 million outreach emails to answer the question, what's working in the world of email outreach right now? And I can tell you from the thousands of emails I get each week, nothing. People are <laughs> terrible at outreach. It's horrible. Um, but maybe they'll all read this article and get a few good pointers. So going back to the article, he says, we looked at subject lines, personalization. We even looked at follow-up sequences. And uh, they've got a few cool key findings. Anybody care to share? Yeah. Uh, I. It says personalized subject lines and personalized body of the email is going to boost replies. I think at this point, I, I mean, I definitely agree, but I think at this point people are smart enough to understand that even though it's personalized, they're getting, they're, they are getting a mass email. Yeah. So, yeah. well, I think that's the key. So, yeah, personalization might give you a little bit of a boost, but the level of personalization, like, is this, are you truly being thoughtful yeah. in um, writing a, you know, well, like, a real personal email to somebody, or are yeah. you just saying, dear Tim? Just, I mean, right. Just, right. just yesterday in the office, three of us at the same time got an outreach email that was quote unquote personalized yeah. with our first name. And when you have three people in the same, the same room time, yeah. at the same time getting oh, was an that email, the, the, the link out. Uh, yeah. I don't remember. It's just, yeah. well, I love it when it's obvious that it's a template because the formatting, like you get an email that says, uh, hi, all cap, Sean, <laughs> I saw that Pepperland marketing <laughs> wrote an article on, and then it's in like pink text or something. Yeah. And then it's somebody else's article. Cause they forgot to replace it. Of course. <laughs> The other one of their findings, which actually it's causing me to do some self-reflection, it's saying outreach emails with, uh, oh, sorry, I'm actually the wrong one. The vast majority of outreach messages are ignored. Only 8.5% of outreach emails receive a response. And I'm doing some self-reflection here because I personally 
respond to like every one I get. You do? <laughs> I do. I, I mean, it's like, I'll usually say, no, I, I just, I feel bad. I feel bad. It's like, so, you know, sorry, we don't typically wait, link to outside. Wait, then the so, next day he gets a phone call because oh. his number is in the signature. So I'll say no. Like I'll say no. So or someone, say, you're saying if someone reaches out to you saying, hey, we'd love to, you know, for you to include this article, we think yeah. your readers would value it or whatever. Like everyone else, you respond and say, no, we usually don't link to other articles. Or like we don't, we don't like. Well, I guess that's a good thing. So yeah, out I, of the back then, you're better than I. Trying to make the internet a better place, Sean. <laughs> I would not. Uh, I, no. <laughs> well, I'm going to drop that down to 8.5% like from the now on. The amount that come through is just mind blowing. To be fair, I do. I personally probably get a lot fewer than you do. Yeah. I got one the other day that said, Dear Ryan, and it was linking to an article that Sean wrote. It's like, hey, we loved your article. I'm like, oh, well, it's not mine. <laughs> um, there are some interesting things in here. Some I wish they would have excluded. Um, let's see here. Like this one drives me nuts. Wednesday is the best day to send outreach emails. I hate Saturdays or Like I think anytime you say that, it's just utter nonsense. That's like an average. Every business, every recipient is very different. You should think about when you're sending these well, did you see? Did you see the the percentages on that graph and how close they are to oh, no. the surrounding days? Are they? It's So Tuesday, 7.54. Wednesday, 7.64. <laughs> Thursday, 7.6. I think you, you really need to know your audience. Like the best, I shouldn't say this. <laughs> well, now I want to know. I was going to say the best, if you want me to see an email and reply, you should email me at like five in the morning. <laughs> yeah, don't is this the only time I'm going to have a chance to like actually read non-important emails? That's when I start to clean out my inbox. As soon as I wake up, I'm wiping them out, you know, one by one. But then when the day is going, like anytime between eight and five, the chances that I'm going to see that email are like slim to none. Yeah. Like there's so many coming in. Yeah. Anywho. So you just got to know your audience. Don't rely on st stats like this. But I, <coughs> I get the temptation for them to include that in there because people look for that stuff. Um. Yeah, this people, one I don't really understand. Linking to social profiles and email signatures may result in better response rates. Twitter was correlated with an 8.2 increase, LinkedIn an 11.5 increase, and Instagram 23.4. Maybe they're saying because maybe they'll go and check out your profile yeah. and kind of snoop around, and if they I, think that you're this cool person, maybe they'll yeah. respond to you. That's, probably, I, that's my takeaway. Step it on me, Caitlin. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think that's probably what they're going for too because that's – when someone reaches out to me cold, I like I do look at their profile. Do you think it's interesting though, the Instagram angle, like, cause that is the least businessy of the three. But it makes you feel most human. Yeah. Maybe I'll try that a little bit. <laughs> Certain types of outreach get higher responses than others. Outreach messages related to guest posting, roundups on links have an especially high response rate. I don't understand that at all. I would, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't challenging the data. <laughs> well, maybe like maybe they're saying as opposed to like a sales out, a cold sales outreach. I don't know. Perhaps. I don't know. Do they have any like good example emails? I want to critique them. They have some, yeah. I don't know if they're good. Um, this is interesting to me. So they talk about automated follow-ups. On one hand, they're saying that leads to a better response. But then they're also pointing out annoying follow-ups like these can damage relationships, lead to spam complaints, and overall do more harm than good. And it's a general, hey, did you check to see, did you see my previous message? Here's that link again. Um, but then he says, however, gentle follow-ups that provide additional context can improve conversions without burning bridges. 
I mean, that's that's interesting. Um, so if you're following up just to follow up, don't do it. But if you're going to add additional value with the follow-ups, that could pay off well. Right? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else jump out to you guys? No, I just don't like this graph of the best day of the week. <laughs> That's all. If you are one of these people sending out the emails, you're wasting a lot of your life. <laughs> Stop doing it. <laughs> no, like the 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 mass oh, yeah. nonsense yeah. emails. Like I, I can't see how that works for anybody. I I think in general, outreach emails, regardless of what your intent is, like they work best either when you have some kind of relationship with the person you're sending it to, or you're you're sincerely trying to establish some kind of a relationship. Like you're not just trying to make a transaction, you know, you know whether that's selling something or getting a link or, or whatever. Like if you're actually trying to have a conversation, if you're actually asking for more information or providing more information or trying to, I don't know, make a friend, you're more likely to be successful in the long run than just, yeah, blasting out thousands of emails. This crap. <laughs> what, what say you, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> Insightful. You heard, you. you heard it here first. <laughs> So with that, we move on to. I almost did the Sports you Center. Uh, oh. <laughs> you you guys know the Sports Center jingle? No, no? go for it. Then it then it goes into like the little. All right, go ahead, Tim. You got the app of the week. <laughs> yeah, that's week. not to me. That sounded a lot like the intro to um, uh, the Super Bowl. Okay. Or or like I mean, they are similar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, app of the week. Um, comes from me this week because I'm awesome. And it's a tool that is not really new, uh, but it's new to me and it's called PlayBuzz. It's you know, playbuzz.com. Um, and what PlayBuzz is, is it's an online tool platform, whatever you want to call it, that allows you to create um, a number of, you know, interactive um content formats that you can then embed in, in, in your, your website, you know, things like, um, quizzes, interactive polls, um, those little, those things where you have a, a picture and when someone clicks on it, it like flips around and has like an interesting statistic or quote or, or quote or whatever. Flip cards. Perhaps. Yes. Is that what yes, they call a them? flip card? <laughs> um, you know, those, those ranked lists, um, and even, you know, video and, and, and things like that. Um, you can create a lot of different kinds of formats, um, in, uh, formatted content, embed it on your on your website, drive some of the that interactivity that people are looking for, and it's pretty easy to use. I mean, this is like you can you can of course you can of course achieve that um, on your own without a tool like like this, uh, but this makes it really simple for someone who is not technically inclined to to make that kind of stuff um it's actually this the play buzz is actually the tool that powers all of those um buzzfeed okay oh no kidding yeah yeah i mean like if you're wondering how buzzfeed is able to churn out like 30 quizzes a day it's because they use a tool that makes it super easy to do and when i say it's super easy to do i mean like within it took me 30 minutes to make a quiz a poll and um 
a video, like all together, thirty minutes to make one to make what a, a quiz, a ten a ten question quiz, a poll, and a video. What's your response rate been? Do you know? Um, yeah. So on one of the on one of the polls that I created, I got you know I got like eight responses. You know, yeah. not anything major. What um what would be cool is to compare it against a more traditional type of lead gen. Yeah, for sure. Tool. Let's see if. Well, so to, to that point, like this isn't really a lead gen tool like that. You don't capture any huh. data, any um, like contact information yep. for it. Yep. Um, it's more of a way of, I don't know, like adding some value to your content. That makes sense. Probably a good way to get maybe a couple links, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, if you think about like BuzzFeed, how many links do they get from those stupid yeah. quizzes? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's cool. It's easy. I like it. Um, Very cool. Do, do you, it does offer to, to some some analytics, so you can see how long people are dwelling on your. You know, if you have a video or whatever, um, or, or what that interaction rate is, you can you can drill into that. It's not like as granular as something like Google Analytics um, or or HubSpot, but it's you know it's more than nothing. Cool. Good stuff. We'll put a link to it in the show notes and yeah. maybe an example or two. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And with that, we move on to the lightning round. Lightning round. Lots of Facebook in here. Sorry, but I love. I was really hoping you're about to sing a lightning. Round. I thought he was. Oh, I, no. I thought he was. I thought that was going to be the sorry, song. Sorry, sorry. No. Um, Facebook tests integrating stories into the newsfeed. I saw that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. What are they doing? They they want to put stories in the feed, like directly in the newsfeed. Oh yeah, I already saw that. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> Facebook and Instagram may be forced to remove links for users under 18. Likes. Likes. Like, sorry. Yeah. So I that's, that real fast. That's more or less saying that because of the new data rules in yeah. certain European countries, um, children essentially shouldn't be able to give companies their information. And a like is technically them giving you information. To be fair, that allow, that does allow a, that does allow a company to target. It's like, okay, this is this is a person that is inclined to buy from me. But they're allowed to expand images, and you're saying they just can't like pages, or I, they can't like content. I think, I think it's, it's that content. They can't like content. Yeah, I don't how. Think. It's not like Facebook can't measure if you're expanding an image, if you're clicking around, looking at things. So like, yeah, all right, that's silly. <laughs> Twitter's hide replies feature is set to roll out in June. And Facebook says it unintentionally uploaded 1.5 million people's email contacts without their consent. So I liked, I honestly loved all the Facebook news because I like seeing their demise. But yeah, they've had a bad year, huh? Yeah. I mean, last year they literally had a quote unquote scandal every month of the year. Did they? Multiple, did yeah. You, did you do the no, research I, on I, that? No, there was an article that outlined every scandal, and it was, I think it was every month. I mean, I'll be honest, <clears> as, <throat> as I'm looking for, like, what content we might want to share on this, it's hard to, like, I'm constantly overlooking bad press about Facebook. Yeah. Like, constantly, every week, mm -hmm. there's just a flood of more badness. Badness. So. Yep. Cool. Anything else? No? Oh, the, um... That little SEO hack, the the black cat thing. Who, oh, uh, we got to put that in there. Let me let me get the headline and we'll, we'll stick it in the um, the lightning round. Um, basically, uh, somebody found a way to basically get their link to show up when you search for 
a different company. Um, let me. Uh, let I have me, right here. Okay. Here, let me read this. This one's really interesting. So I'm, I'm going to actually go a little bit farther on this than we usually do in the lightning round. It's event spam SEO. Um, and this is at ohgm.co.uk. Um, and it, I'm not going to read it word for word, but it, it shows an example of, um, a brand's local snippet. So that's that little window that shows up on the right side of the screen when you search for the brand. Yeah. And, uh, the example he's showing is actually the company deep crawl. That's an SEO tool. Um, so underneath the, uh, the deep crawl, their photos, like the map location, uh, you know, their phone number, email and all that. There's a section there that says events. And it looks like this guy created an event. He called it, I'm sorry, because he's apologizing for hijacking their, their listing. Um, but when he clicks on that, that brings him to his, his website. Wow. So he's basically getting a link right underneath this heavily searched for brand's name. So like we could get a link under HubSpot or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and, uh, I, I of course didn't test this, but he seems pretty confident that it's very easy to replicate and it's clearly a little bit of a loophole. So if you want to be real shady, go check this out, give it a try. <laughs> I, re I remember cause that was something that they, that they just rolled out a little while ago that like users could submit events. And I remember thinking like, how are they going to control that? I assumed you'd had to be like verified or something to actually submit, but I guess that doesn't make sense. Yeah, the, Well, no, there should be some, some sort of. Yeah, I, you're right. Like, I think they should only recognize content like that comes from a verified yeah. domain. You know, something, yeah. say you've registered, you've verified in Google Search Console, maybe, you know. So, I, anyway, I imagine this will be fixed within a week or so. But, um, <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. There's lots of little loopholes and hacks out there still. Yeah. And then just one, one more headline that I saw, which I kind of thought was cool, is with the Rove Bolt use your Google assistant safely while driving. And it's this new gizmo that lets you uh, just plug into your, your car and you can do voice search without like crashing your car. Well, that's good. So I imagine if that takes off, we might see more and more and more mobile searches like than we already are. <laughs> yeah, probably. True, yeah. True I mean, mobile I'm, I definitely am. I would use that for sure. I I'm often sitting in my car and I go to say like, Hey Google. And I forget I'm not, home <laughs> so i don't have a google home in my car yeah i agree i i would i would use that a ton if it worked well i yeah. think all right well that is it for the episode um hope you guys enjoyed it if you liked this show leave us a review tell your friends um and you can send us cookies we'll send you the address if you tweet at us i won't have them but what, uh, uh, you, i don't tuxedo fitting Nope, I just don't eat cookies from strangers in the mail. That's all. Why not? Wait, I, have you never eaten a stranger cookie? Like, I stranger cookies <laughs> you, are the best. You call them stranger cookies? Yeah. I once, uh, okay, real quick. I once bought a cookie from a nun who came into a bar in Shelton. And it was the best damn cookie yeah, of my life. Yeah, but that's not life. a stranger. You saw them. I don't know if she was actually a nun. So oh, what right. degree of separation, <laughs> like, has to exist for them to fall into the stranger category? Like, I don't know them. You've just never I met haven't them. seen them. You know nothing about them. Yeah. Food okay. shows up in the mail. You're eating it. Yeah. Especially like meatball. You grinder. are crazy. It's got to be cold <laughs> still. Like, like ice. I would feel less comfortable eating a meatball grinder from a stranger than probably a cookie. Yeah. I'd be totally cool with a cookie. Yeah. Nope. No. 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 You guys are. 
sheltered millennials and Gen Zers. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Tune in next week. We'll see you there. <laughs>